Thank you, Matt, the Rabbi Davis. We appreciate uh, that good word. We call him Rabbi affectionately because he is Jewish and he likes to remind us of that constantly. And so uh, we like to remember him in that way. Uh, this morning we're going to be talking about uh, dads and we are also in a series called Better Together. It comes from the uh, book, the letter to the church at Ephesus, we refer to as Ephesians. And uh, it's a great uh, coordination of our planning as well as what God had said in Ephesians chapter 6. One through four. So you're going to be talking about uh, parenting and talking about fathering, and and I want to make a disclaimer. I have never claimed to be the greatest dad alive. Uh, I remember early on when we had Jessica, she was probably three or four, and uh, Joy was working part time at the uh, at a doctor's office and uh, back room kind of stuff. And uh, so on my days off, I would take care of Jessica. It would be totally my responsibility to care for her. We would often in Corona, we lived in Corona in those days, we'd go to Miguel's Jr. And it used to be the only place you go to Miguel's Jr. in Corona. Now they're scattered all around here in Orange County as well. And uh, we'd both order burritos and I would eat all of mine and about two-thirds of hers. And so it was a great uh, day out that we got to do those things. One day I was somewhat distracted in the kitchen and I don't know what I was doing, but I was distracted. And uh, Jessica was in the backyard. We had a dog, Barney, little white, uh, cute little mutt. And uh, as I looked out in the backyard, wondering where Jessica was, what she was doing, I saw her out there wandering around in the grass, leaning over, picking up something, and then sticking it in her mouth and chewing it. And yes, it was dog poo. And, uh, and of course, I was dismayed that she would do that. My daughter would do something like that. And so I ran out there, rushed, and, you know, fished out and called the, the doctor's office, Dr. Eric Goyan, where Joy worked. And I said, what should we do? Should I rush her to the ER? What should we do? Because she has dog poo in her mouth. And all they did was just laugh. And so, <laughs> so somehow, whatever problems Jessica has today, it started that moment, and it was my fault. So I just want to let you know that's sort of the, the backdrop uh, as a dad. Those are the experiences that I've had and things that I've learned. And so just... Just see what I did and do the opposite. And, uh, but what I love, uh, I don't know if you know the fellow by the name of Terry Crews. You might have seen him probably on some TV shows. Christian guy, actor, used to have his own kind of reality show. You'd follow his family around. Faith was very important to them. He loved his wife. They were a functional family. Fatherly discipline would take place in the home. And Terry Crews, uh, a couple years ago, was on the TV show The View, and Terry Crews said this, there are some things only a father can give you. And he was deluged with all kinds of harsh, critical statements amongst the women that are on The View, as well as the emails and other postings. And Mitch Album, that you may know that name, he's significantly known in the country as a, as a writer, author, is uh, on um, Tuesdays with uh, Maury. And probably not evangelical, committed Christian like many of us in this room. But he picked up on what the response was to Terry Cruz's statement. And he wrote an article, When Did Fathers Become Expendable? And this is what he wrote for those of us who are fathers. What does a father bring to the table? I can cite a few things I got from my own. Strength, quiet confidence, discipline, responsibility, and love, all displayed differently than my mother, which was fine. 
My father also taught us how to be a husband, how to respect women, when to lead, when to support. It's true. Not all men are like my dad, but plenty are. And fatherhood didn't suddenly, after thousands of years, lose its value. It may be trendy to dismiss dads as little more than fertilizer, but it's not true. In fact, it's pretty foolish. Such is our world where a comment like Cruz, Terry Cruz, brings a tsunami. Funny thing is, I remember someone from my childhood frequently saying, he needs his father to do that. It was my mother. That's the kind of statements that we need to hear more of. Not just from people like us that believe what God says in his word, but also from those who recognize the reality of God's order and God's design. So Paul the Apostle writes to parents in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And this is the sum total of the parenting of the church at Ephesus. They didn't have the thousands and thousands of volumes that talk about how to be a parent, how to be a mom, how to be a dad, how to be a spouse to a husband or a wife or how to have family. They didn't have James Dobson. They didn't have focus on the family. They didn't have the Family Research Council. They simply have these four verses. This was what Paul instructed parents to do. So in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's break that down. You have an outline that's available for you in the bulletin, and uh, I encourage you to use that to follow along. It is exactly like the one I have here. But let me just walk our way through what this text is teaching us in what I call the making of a good family life. Everybody wants good family life. Nobody enters into a family existence so that we can have pain and and sorrow, and blame, and shame. So he begins by telling us that children are supposed to obey and honor their parents. Not a newsflash. I suspect that most of us in this room, 99% of us, know this to be a true statement. And that he makes this statement, and he quotes, the reason those are in caps is because he's quoting from Exodus 20 of the Ten Commandments, the famous Ten Commandments. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live a long life on the earth. God wanted us to live well. God wants us to live well. God wants us to live a long life. God wants us to prosper. Sometimes we get the feeling he's always on the opposite end of being an advocate, and we're always working against him. He says, I want to work with you. I want to work for you. I want your life to go well. I don't want you to have to suffer. So he says I to honor. The word honor simply means to express value to someone. The term is used in Acts 28.10. I just pulled that out amongst many other passages. It says, so they honored us with many marks of respect, and when we were set, setting sail, they supplied us with what we needed. The idea of honor is giving to someone what they need. So he says, I want the children to obey. I want them to honor their parents. And all of us are children in here. But most of us are beyond the age of 21, and so we're sort of at another category where obedience is not so much the command as much as it is honor. And most of us live in the stage of life of honoring those who are our parents. So he says, I want you children, I want you to honor your parents. And there's three reasons why he says to do that. 
Well, number one, it pleases the Lord. It's in the Lord. It's in the sphere of what God calls us to do. And this is the right thing to do. He knows that we live better lives when children are being obedient and parents are doing what causes children to be obedient. Secondly, he says it's because it's a priority God. He says this is the first commandment with a promise. It was not literally the first commandment. He's not talking about chronological order. The word first there means in the sense of priority. It's one of the preeminent priorities of God that we have homes where children obey and honor their parents. It's just better that way than discipline that is out of hand and rebellion and obstinate relationships between parent and child. And then thirdly, he says, children, I want you to live that way because it's better, it's longer, you'll enjoy life more. So that's what he says, so that it may be well with you that you may live a long life on the earth. God is for us. So I thought about this. What is it that makes us honor our parents? And I was thinking about that in my own life. My dad is with the Lord. My mother is with the Lord. My father-in-law, my mother-in-law, they are with the Lord. So Joy and I are next in line to die. And so that's kind of the reality that we live with now. But I was thinking about my dad, and I do honor him, even though he is not here. And so I did a little study this last week on what does Scripture say? The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. You may have heard that. If you haven't heard that, you should hear that. The best commentary in the Bible is the Bible itself. When Paul says, honor your parents, what makes my children want to honor me? What makes me want to honor my dad? So let me show you what Scripture says as to what makes my children honor me and what makes me want to honor my parents. There are Proverbs that tell us this truth. For example, Proverbs 21.21 says this, He who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness, and honor. In summary, he who pursues righteousness finds honor. If I want people to honor me, not for pride, but for truth, pursue righteousness. I thought about my own dad. I remember getting up early sometime, and as a teenager, that was just like a sort of an unthinkable act to actually get up early. But occasionally when I would get up early, I would stumble down the hall there on uh, um, our Phoenix home, and I would wander into the family room, and there I would find my dad. And he didn't know I was there. The reason he didn't know is because he was on his knees praying with his hands and his elbows tucked on the couch. And I would just stand there and watch my dad pray. And I was sort of like, you know, as a, as a young, my brain is still developing because I'm only like 14, so I don't have a full functioning brain at that point. <laughs> so I was trying to process that. But I thought, here's my dad honoring the Lord first thing in the morning. And like Instagram, I can still see him living that life. Praying does not make you righteous, but those who are righteous, they pray. So that image, simple image of my dad, 
came to my mind when I thought, what makes me honor him? It was his righteousness of being right with God first. Secondly, Proverbs 22.4 says, The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. The reward of humility is honor. If you want your children to honor you, live a humble life. Not an arrogant, obstinate, pushy, authoritative life, but live a humble life. My dad was one of the most humble men I've ever known in my life. My dad pastored a church, Bethany Bible Church, and he served that church for something like 30-plus years. We moved to Phoenix in 1955, and he was the pastor. And there was about 75 people that, when he started there. And by the time they reached their peak, there were 2,000-plus people at Bethany. And they'd started or had a hand in starting a half a dozen churches in the surrounding Phoenix area, like Trinity Bible, Biltmore Bible, Camelback Bible, had a, heart, had a hand secondarily in Scottsdale Bible and other Bible churches in the Phoenix area. In fact, Christianity Today, one of the great evangelical Christian magazines, said way back during that era, as they listed the top 100 denominations in the country, they listed Bethany Bible Church as one of the top 100 denominations in the United States of America. And the whole thing about Bethany Bible is that we're non-denominational. So it's kind of ironic, but it was a recognition of the spreading. And so my dad had a significant ministry there in the Phoenix area. But what I remember most is not a message. I remember one day, and here's the Instagram. I remember one day my dad had his day off, and it was always a Monday. And he got into his dirty clothes, and he went over to Bethany Bible Church at 6060 North 7th Avenue. And he wandered around, and he says, I'm so tired of seeing this garbage, these weeds, that overgrown area. So he took his tools in the back of the trunk of the car and went over there on his day off and began hacking weeds. He had the big hat on because he had a lot of sun things. He had a big droopy hat on his head. I still remember his dad going, my dad going over there. And I'm thinking, Dad, can't you just pay someone to do that? He said, I need to get it done. And he didn't. And what, I, what sticks in my mind is not that, well, should he have delegated and all that kind of leadership type stuff, but what stuck in my mind is that he said to himself, this is not a job that's too small for me. One of the things about my dad at Bethany Bible Church is he was a regular guy amongst regular people, and that if others could do it, he could do it. And he served that church in so many ways but I remember the humility of going and looking like the gardener of the church, not the senior pastor of the church, because he didn't care about image. He didn't care about preeminence. He didn't care about notoriety. He just cared that the job got done. He lived in humility. And because of that, I want to honor him because that was an outstanding quality that Scripture says is true, and I didn't really think about it until I read that verse. Yeah, that's true. Guided by wisdom, the wise will inherit the honor, but fools display dishonor. You want to have people honor you, be guided by wisdom. You don't have to have lots of money. You don't have to save your children from a burning car to have honor. Most of us will never have either. But you want to have honor, be guided by wisdom, God's wisdom. 
I still remember the day that I came home from Phoenix Christian High School, and I was a football player at Phoenix Christian High School, and I know by looking at me, you're probably thinking I was pretty good. <laughs> Not true. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Phoenix in August. It's what saved me. I didn't want to go to hell because <laughs> I've already been there. I don't want to go back. But you put on the full pads, they just mow the lawn, and you're all sweaty. And back in those days, we'd take salt pills. <laughs> that was the, and, the, and the big thing in football in those days, you can't drink any water until we're done with practice. I mean, that was how crazy it was back then. And so that was our football, and I was just miserable in all the heat. So Gary, my friend, and I, we decided we're going to quit because it's too hard. So that night at dinner, we always sat together at dinner. I said, Dad, I quit football today. And oh, <laughs> the wrath of John Mitchell came out. And then he gave me the lecture that I still remember to this day. And I've, re I've remarked on it here before. He says, Dave, you know what your problem is? You're always looking for the path of least resistance. What you need to do is that when you start something, finish it. You got a problem, you work it through. It's not how well you start, it's how well you finish. Perseverance and patience and pushing forward to do the right thing and not quit before you're done is essential. Those are principles that still stick with me to this day. One of the reasons I'm here 20 years because my dad gave me wisdom in the moment. And I still remember him giving me that lecture. And that was 50-some-odd years ago. And it still sticks, and it came to my mind. And I thought, what wisdom have I gained? That wisdom. He didn't sit me down and explain the kenosis theory and the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ. We all already know that, right? <laughs> no, he didn't give me the seminary speak and the theology. He gave me wisdom from God, principles that we live with every single day. And I honor him for that. You want honor? Pass on wisdom. Not a heritage of money and homes and things. Wisdom. I also recognize that my dad had a spirit of grace. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's discretion makes him slow to anger. It is his glory, honor, to overlook a transgression. My dad would give to me grace. I remember way back in the days when uh, life was a little bit different. You might not know this, but there was a day when people went to church on Sunday morning and they went to church on Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Everybody went to church on Sunday night. That's what you did. I never got to see the Wizard of Oz because we always had to go to church on Sunday nights. I never saw Bonanza because we had to be at a church at Sunday night. I don't resent it. I'm not upset about that. But that's the reality that we had. <laughs> but we always went to church on Sunday night. And one of the things we would do after church, we had youth group. So church from 6 to about 7.30, and everybody was there. We'd actually go get ice cream with other families. It was like fun. But we'd have youth group afterwards. We'd go to somebody's home. Well, I remember the Sunday night that we went to a church and then had youth group, and it was in my home. My parents hosted it. Well, that Sunday night, my girlfriend in high school that I've not stayed in touch with, um, <laughs> I don't want to confuse anybody, uh, did not go to our church, but she came to our church that Sunday night for some reason. 
And then I went and took her home, and I stayed there in her home as we kind of, you know, cooked something in the kitchen, whatever. But all the youth were at our home, my home. And the youth leaders were asking my parents, where's David? Why isn't David here? This is, is he part of the youth group? I mean, my parents were a little ashamed because I wasn't there, and it was in our home. So my dad then told me later when I got home, he says, I drove over to your girlfriend's house, and I saw your car parked out in front, so I knew that's where you were. I thought about going and knocking on the door and letting you know how disappointed and frustrated I am that you weren't there when we had the youth group to our home. But then I decided to not embarrass you in front of your girlfriend and her parents. So I came home. And that's what he told me when I arrived home. How disappointed and hurt they were, but that he didn't want to shame me in front of that family. I, I, 55 years ago? I forget a lot of stuff that happened yesterday. <laughs> but I still remember that. Because it was a moment of grace. When I blew it, I told you, I was like 16, and so my brain obviously is still not fully functioning, the full maximum power. Craziness. Why didn't I, I don't know, why was I, what was I thinking? I was just dumb. But my dad expressed grace. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it's to his glory to overlook a transgression. That scripture stands in my mind, and that moment is that Instagram picture of my dad doing that. What makes you honor keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool will quarrel. And even that moment stirs in my mind that I have someone who kept away from conflict, not foolishness, and lived the world word without hypocrisy. This is kind of a cumbersome passage to understand. Like snow in summer, like rain in harvest, so honor is fitting for a, not fitting for a fool. In other words, the hypocrisy. There is no snow in summer. There is no rain in the harvest. Those things are inconsistent. And so he's saying, the Proverbs is saying, that you should be consistent with the reality of God's Word. Don't do, say one thing and do something else. Be consistent. My dad would preach every Sunday morning. I cannot remember the messages he preached from the pulpit, but I do remember that the message that I watched him live from Monday through Saturday was as consistent with anything I ever remember him saying on Sunday. There weren't two people in our home, and it was consistency of the fidelity of the word in the heart and the incarnate John Mitchell living that word out in life. My dad was not perfect, no. But 90% is the plus side of why I honor him. And I invite all of us who are dads that these proverbs are those principles that invite others to honor us so that we pass on to a generation the beautiful view that by doing this, you will live well and long in this world. Because God's on our side for that. And then secondly, he says, fathers, and I put in there in parentheses, parents, because the word for fathers is there in the Greek. But interesting, in Hebrews 11, that same word for fathers of Moses' father and mother is parents. So this can be also parents. So moms, this 
This includes you as well. So he says, fathers, moms, dads, we're never to provoke our children to anger. We should never do that because the parents' role is to rear the children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, Paul would give this to the Jewish population that was there along with the Gentiles. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And then he noticed how, ex- how expansive this teaching is. It's not Sunday school. It's not come to Sunday school and learn it all. It's part of the daily existence. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Where you do business, where you live in home, where you're out exploring the land on the, on the wayside of the community. Everywhere you go, we are a teaching community to rear up those in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. So it's not it's like, okay, I'm going to teach you now, now we can just do our own thing. Everything I do is a lesson in life. And that's why I give you these little snapshots of the lessons that I remember from when my high school days were, I was part of our Mitchell home. I remember those as being a living reality of this passage because it wasn't like they sat me down and taught me in catechism. It was more like they lived it and when situations arose, then biblical truth was spread. And that's so important. Not everybody has a father and mother. I was intrigued, and, and because it's Father's Day, so I'm going to have a little disclaimer here. And uh, because I love football, I want to show you something, and you'll have mixed reactions to this, I'm sure. Demarius Thomas is a football player with the Denver Broncos. I've learned to forgive him for beating the New England Patriots. But what you may or may not be able to see on there, you, and you cannot see it very well, He's got tattoos. He's got tattoos all over the place. He's got arms up here like this, and on one side it says family, and it says first. And if I had arms as big as him, I'd write family and first on there as well. But my arms, the font would have to be so small and nobody could read it. So family first. And on the other shoulder, we can just see the red shirt that he's pulling up the side on the sleeve here. He's got a picture of Jesus. And then he's underneath it, upside down so he can read it, but not others. It says, Jesus saves. Demarius Thomas is a self-proclaimed evangelical Christian. When Demarius Thomas was a child, his mother was arrested. His mother and grandmother were arrested for dealing drugs and were sentenced to 20 years in prison. He had no dad. And now as he looks back, he says, There's a lot of people that are orphans in this world, and it's not because they have no parents living. It's simply they have no parents in the home. So now he tells the story, and he goes around and tells others that you are not an orphan where where you have no hope because I had aunts and uncles and pastors and deacons and friends and coaches, and if it wasn't for all of those people in my life, I would not be where I am today. You would not know who I am today. So he goes around promoting love, simple things like love. And so what he is teaching us is that many of us have an opportunity to be parental influencers in people's lives, even if we have no children in the home. But everything we do has impact upon those around us. And he wears it literally on his skin. Families first, Jesus saves. 
And so when you watch him play next year, this coming year, think about that. I don't know where he's at. I hope he's walking with the Lord. Every time I show somebody like this, then somebody tells me, oh, did you hear they got arrested for DUI? So, okay, I get that we're not perfect, but I love the message that communicates from him. So we use this discipline to help shape our hearts, and we use instruction to help shape our thoughts and our minds. And uh, again, this is a whole other message. But what I love that in Jesus' life, this was true. Mary and Joseph were wandering around and realized Jesus is missing. So it says, and when they finally found him, they were astonished. And his mother said, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you for days. They've been looking for him. And he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house as he was in the temple teaching from the scrolls of Isaiah? And then Luke records, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And that if Jesus needed to increase in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men, Jesus, the Son of God, God in human flesh, needed to increase in wisdom and stature. Boy, how much more do I need to keep growing and increase in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man? Now, to help bring some of these truths home, I'm going to invite up a friend of ours here at Carver Church. I'm going to invite Stacy to come up here. Stacy has been on staff for just a very short time, and uh, we're sorry to have her leave us because Stacy is now, she wants us all to call her Mrs. Barnes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Have, have a else. seat over here, Stacy. <laughs> Let's welcome Stacy. She's been involved in ministry. Mm-hmm. I want you to get to know her a little bit, even though she's leaving us, boo-hoo, but she's been with us this last year, and she just got married uh, recently, and so she's a newlywed. I am. Congratulations to you. thank you. But I've been involved in church ministry for 15 years, and uh, so we're thankful for what God has done and how she has just grown and matured and and is pouring into children's lives, our our fourth and fifth graders here at Calvary Church, so thank you for that. But uh, I was intrigued. I was meeting with, uh, uh, visiting with Stacy some years ago, and then more recently again. And and this passage of Ephesians six one through four stirs in a lot of people different feelings. And Stacy was sharing with me that in junior high school, when she read Ephesians six one through four, children obey and honor your parents. She could not fathom how that she could do that. And part of her story is how God has given to her redemption, new life. And so, Stacy, tell us, why was Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 such a difficult thing for you to un- understand and obey? Yeah, as Pastor Dave said, um, I grew up going to church. My mom would take us to church. And I remember being about in junior high age and hearing this passage in the scripture. And I knew God, I knew Jesus, and I loved him. And I wanted so much to obey him and follow what he had said here. And I just struggled with this passage so much. I just, what does that look like? And I would sit with my Sunday school teachers and youth pastors and like, what does that look like, though, when your parents aren't great, when they're less than ideal, when you don't feel safe in your own home? And so how and what does honoring them look like? And um, a little background, my dad is not a believer, and he's not only that, but he's not, he's just not a good man. And 
a, like a dangerous man and a high school teacher for 20 years and um, yeah, sociopath and a predator. Um, being in a high school and high school teacher, he had many numerous, numerous um, inappropriate relationships with high school girls and babysitters of mine and friends later on when I got into high school. And um, sadly, having two daughters at home, we were not um, exceptions to that and not safe from that. And also sadly is that my mom, even though she was a believer, wasn't a strong woman, and so she wasn't brave enough to do anything to help us in that. So, but still going to church, and I just, I knew God was with me always. I never doubted that, and um, struggled with this passage, but what I came to is, even though I couldn't figure out how exactly this would look for me, um, through the help of pastors, help uh, youth pastors, go back to the first commandment, which would be love the Lord your God. And that's what I did. I'm like, I'm just going to love God and he will help me figure out the rest and how to honor parents that aren't the best. And didn't want this to be a major bummer story on Father's Day. Um, and I don't think it is a bummer story. It's not a sad story. And though there's parts of my story that are super dark and sad, when I think about them, they're also really incredible. And the reason why is because God is so amazing. And I've been able to look back throughout my whole life and see how all along the way, God was with me in those dark parts. But he also put people in my life, um, youth pastors, teachers, friends, parents, who I don't even know if they will ever know the the depth of the impact of their kindness and love towards me and how um, that they were able to stand in that gap for me as being a parental figure. And, um, and even to now, having just gotten married and my in-laws, my new father-in-law and mother-in-law, are better than I could have probably ever dreamed for myself. And on our wedding day, um, <clears throat> my father-in-law asked if he could walk me down. He didn't want me to walk alone. So he walked me down the aisle. And I just think, even though less than ideal parents for me, and for all of us, we don't get to choose our parents, and we also don't get to choose the decisions that they make, but what we can choose, and what I knew pretty young, is that I can choose to live in the pain of the things I didn't get to choose, or choose to live in hope and follow what God has for me, and just trust that he's going to take care of all of that, and I chose that. Um, and looking back and seeing how incredibly amazing he is to provide people along the way. And then to have a family now that um, are better than I could have ever dreamed. And there's so much redemption there and healing there and hope. And so when I was thinking about today, for all of us in this room, to, um, to just be encouraged. Because even now, you don't know the people that are watching you. It could be your kids friends, um, grandchildren, neighbors, kids. You just never really know how much they watch you and how your kindness and <laughs> um, just seeing them can really impact them. You can be that for them. So, yeah, on this day, I was just really thinking about that and how amazing God is to restore and redeem. Yeah, great thing about Stacy. I, I shared, yeah, good.
I was thinking even share, as Stacy was sharing here, I was thinking I, you know, I just honored my dad for all the good things that he did, and yet there are people that are out there like Stacy who cannot pull up Instagram situations of goodness, but rather darkness. And yet, here you are, you've been full-time working in the church, you're essentially discipling children and bringing up other generations. God has given to you a new family, and so there's hope. And, and even as you said, there, there are many people that have touched your life, and they probably, have no, they probably don't know it, right? Yeah. And yet they had an impact in helping you to become who you are today. And that's the glory of God, that God has ways, sort of the, I call them surrogates, so the surrogate parents that have that influence to help shape you into the godly woman that you are today. And so I wanted you to hear that hope, that whatever your background may have been, what you've done or what you've been part of or how you've been reared, that God gives to us all hope to overcome and to find a new way of life and to make the decision to say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. So you have your heavenly father, you have your now earthly father, Matt's father, and it's nice to hear good in-law relationships. We hear the bad jokes, but uh, that God has now given to you uh, a new home and a new life for you as well. And that's why she's actually leaving. She'd rather be with her husband than with us here on staff at Calvary Church. So I don't know quite how to think about that, but, uh, but we're happy for you. We're happy for you. And Matt's sitting over here. We're, there he is over there. We appreciate uh, him coming alongside. And been a great help here at Calvary Church already with uh, the cave, and the helicopter, and the VBS stuff. He's been working on VBS this coming summer. So we're thankful for your testimony. So thank you for being willing to be open with us and how God is glorified because of your following Him and the people that He's influenced in your life and that it's a challenge for all of us to recognize that we're probably touching other lives and we may not even know it, but to be faithful in that. So thank you, Stacy, for coming up here. Let's give her a hand. Thank you again. Let me wrap up with this. On the outline is a letter. It's a letter I wrote, but wouldn't it be great to have this letter that I'm going to read, that if it were your father on earth writing this letter to you, this would be fantastic. But in point of fact, as I read this letter, this is a letter that God, our heavenly father, has already written to us. And that I could put my name down there and I could sign God's name at the bottom. So for earthly fathers, this is a great letter to hear from. But for a heavenly father, it is the letter that he has written to us. And it goes this way. Dear, you put your name in there. I was so excited the day you were born, for I know that there are great plans for your life. I love and value you for who you are because you were perfectly designed just the way I wanted you to be. On the day you were born, there was nothing I wanted to change. While I want to give you your freedom to grow and express yourself, I cannot help but closely watch over you and thoroughly enjoy how you are uniquely living out the gifts and passions that come from me. There will never be a day that I do not love you. There is nothing you can do or say that will make me stop loving and caring for you. Even when you disobey, I may be disappointed, but I will still love every fiber of your body and soul. My desire and hope for you it is that you would learn from these tough and challenging mistakes of life. And in those moments, I want you to know that I see you 
I know the hurt that led you to these decisions, and I know the hurt that has come as a result of those decisions. You don't have to hide in shame with us. When you turn to me, you will find my arms wide open for you because I've never really left you. Even when you felt alone, I really love to love you. You are my beloved child, and I am thankful that I get to be your father. That's from the Heavenly Father of the compilation of God's Word, woven together of his message to us. And we can bathe ourselves in a Heavenly Father that still loves us to this day. Let me pray. Help us, Father, as we have considered your word and the testimony of Stacy and the ways that you have worked in my life and a lot of our lives. Thank you for being a Heavenly Father as one that we can turn to, to know that even in the worst of times, you did not leave us or forsake us, but that you loved us. Help us, God, as we live out our lives on this Father's Day, that those of us who are dads would enjoy the moments with our family. And that, God, that those who have wounds that maybe came from a father or from a home that was less than ideal, but that, God, that you would remind them of the hope and the renewal that Jesus can provide as we turn to him and find healing and restoration. So guide us, guide us, Lord, in the walks that you have.